Good morning, this is Tommy. I'm here with Scruffy City Stories and uh, we're about to share the story of Miss Burke Brewer. How are you this morning? I'm awesome, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks yeah. for coming on this morning. Of course. Uh, so the format of this is pretty straightforward. We'd like to get your personal story, you know, your experience here in Knoxville, that sort of thing. We'll dive into your projects, what you're working on, you know, cool awesome. things that you're creating, and then there's a rapid fire wrap up at the end. It's kind of like word association, <laughs> I ask you answer. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so let's get started. So in okay. a few words or sentences, you know, what do you tell people about yourself? What do you do? I do a lot, depending on the day. <laughs> uh, first thing I do is own Modern Seamstress, and I teach sewing classes, do custom garments. I also run a disability employment counseling business. So I work with adults and youth with disabilities and help them find jobs in the community. And finally, I'm co-founder and CEO of Modern Studio, which is just now under construction and will hopefully be opening in just a few short weeks. Oh my gosh, so. that's so exciting. <laughs> well, I'm excited to dive into all those those three projects. But first, uh, we'll get your personal experience. So how did you get to Knoxville? So I'm actually from Knoxville. Okay, born, born and, raised. and raised. in Knoxville. Okay. Attended the University of Tennessee for both undergrad and graduate school. Right on. Um, yeah, and I had a short few years where I lived in Georgia. Okay. And then moved back here uh, December 2000. 14. Okay, so about two years ago oh, wow. almost. Wow. It's almost been two years. Yeah. That's wild. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just kind of restarted and decided to go for self-employment this year and it's been a crazy Lots of, wild ride since Yes. <laughs> so you got back to Knoxville in 2014. Yeah. Uh, you grew up here, went to UT here for mm -hmm. undergrad and grad, so you, you're definitely a Knoxville gal, right? That, I think so. Yeah. With, without being too attached, I think, to... You know, I, I don't need to die in, in Knoxville. I, I would love to live in other cities, especially bigger cities. But, um, yeah, I would say I'm a Knoxville gal. Awesome. So what's something funny or interesting that comes to mind from your time here in Knoxville? <laughs> funny or interesting. Either that's happened to you or something that you've witnessed. I mean, I've just had a lot of crazy experiences. I've, <laughs> I've um, you know, my professional training was in psychology and counseling, but I'm also... A musician and had interesting okay. opportunities to perform locally and um, especially with choir and orchestra and Knoxville is just kind of a weird city where you you don't have to be an expert at everything to be involved in different things. It's so easy to get involved, yeah. right? I really love that about Knoxville. I feel yeah. like it's very flexible and pliable and you can you can really get involved in anything you want to here, and yeah. the town is very accepting of different ideas and I love that. new projects. So. I was um, I was with a friend last week. He was sharing his Scruffy City story, yeah. and there's a Brewers Guild, oh, and cool. apparently you don't have to. There's no you know, from what I understand, there's not really a qualification. If you wanted mm -hmm. to learn how to brew beer, you just join the Brewers Guild. Yeah, like, that's cool, right? Yeah. So great community uh, here. Yeah, so artists, musicians. You know, yep. Brewers, all kinds of stuff. Uh, any pets, kids? No kids. No kids. No pets. Nope. Although I would have a cat if if my landlord allowed it. I'm, uh, I'm currently renting a very old house, and I think I he had a bad experience, so no pets for me right now. Okay. Well, <laughs> as soon as you can, pets. Yes. Get, get the cat. Uh, so, what's something about you that might surprise people? <laughs> might surprise people. Um, hmm. I'm actually really introverted. 
and I, I do a lot of, uh, I have a lot of projects and I have to work with people a lot, but I'm terribly introverted and I, I get very tired being around people and need downtime and I can be quite reclusive uh-huh. when, when I've had sort of an introvert fit. Um, so I, I don't think many people expect to hear that, but. Yeah, with the amount of projects that you're involved yeah, in. So that how sounds do, kind of boring, but. Well, yeah. how do you overcome that? Like. You know, hmm. as, as an introvert. You know. Good time management. Okay. Um, my business partner, Victor, is the opposite. He's very extroverted. You're going to meet yeah. him Thursday. I'm excited to meet with him, yes. Yeah, you guys are going to have a great time. Um, <laughs> but he's incredibly extroverted and incredibly social. And mm. just, I mean, really, he kind of, I can step back and just sort of observe and take notes. And he can kind of work things Do so the performing I, yeah I mean that really helps I think the other thing is good time management and just scheduling downtime constantly so gotcha yeah. well there you go uh, what's something about you that you've done uh, or something you've done that you're super proud of super proud of well I think the the biggest thing is showing other people especially young women that you can take a chance on your ideas yeah. and your goals and dreams and and granted I do have a more when I decided to be self-employed my contract work with the state was really the thing that was going to pay the bills and gotcha. that was sort of the practical aspect of what I was doing so that I could do modern seamstress modern studio came up kind of in the middle of the year uh, Victor and I both needed a space and so we decided to pursue that but I, I think just letting young people know you don't have to be part of someone else's dream you can create your own and then hopefully create opportunities for other people through those things so i love that i love that that's awesome well thanks for sharing your personal story we're going to dive into your project so i'm gonna i'll just ask questions about each one okay so modern seamstress you started with that so when did you start that and and what was the inspiration did you wake up one day and say i'm gonna sew and teach people how to sew Actually, I started about almost six years ago. I was really tired of ready-to-wear clothing. Okay. And I decided I was going to sew for myself. So I woke up and said, I'm going to learn how to sew all of my own clothes. Gotcha. And, and for the folks who don't know, ready-to-wear yeah. clothing is just clothes that Stuff you buy, you buy, the buy store. at the store. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I decided I'm going to, it can't be that hard. I'm going to learn how to sew. Uh, and then through a lot of trial and error, uh, that that process went terribly and and well over time. Uh, when I moved back to Tennessee, I there's a transformative power of sewing in that. Uh, so and, and I always blend my counseling work with my artistic work. Okay. Psychologists agree that creative pursuits are healing in a lot of ways, and that repetitive tasks actually reduce stress. They improve self-esteem. So. When I moved back to Tennessee, I realized that sewing had helped me through a very difficult divorce, difficult marriage, and my self-confidence was intact. I felt really great about myself despite sort of life circumstances, yeah. and I knew I wanted to share that with other women. So I decided to start Modern Seamstress. It was sort of a, a little dream I'd had in the back of my head, and I finally decided it was it was do or die, now or never. That's amazing. So started Modern Seamstress last summer and started sewing for other people. And then in November, had a friend who wanted to learn how to make a coat. I'd never made the pattern before. I'd never made a coat before. Wow. I don't know that anyone knew that. I never told, I don't, this is probably the first time I'm telling that. I had no clue really what I was doing. <laughs> Fake it till um, you make it. Yeah, but I uh, I got her, it was her, her mom, and another friend of mine, and we just met in my dining room 
for about four weeks, like four hours at a time, wow. and we all made a winter coat, and I figured it out. And then I knew I wanted to, to teach yeah. more, because I could see them being inspired and really having fun and actually building community around sewing. And um, so now that's transitioned into doing online classes, and okay. Victor's actually producing all of those for me. And wow. Yeah, so it, it, it's definitely evolved. The studio, I'll probably have more in-person classes, but... Gotcha. Um, I've and I've been sewing for other people, which I'm sort of taking a break on this fall, just because I'm sewing also has to be my therapy as well. Gotcha. So I need yeah. to take time to enjoy to, it and let exactly. it be a passion project. Yeah. Wow! So that's amazing. So that's yeah. encouraging and inspiring and like uplifting all at the same time, right? right? So that's actually really cool. Yeah. And then uh, you mentioned that you uh, started working with this uh, disabled children. Uh, yeah. yeah, so when did you get started in that and how, you know, what was the story behind? Well, that's crazy too. Um, my dad worked at Lakeshore Mental Health Institute. Knoxville used to have a mental hospital yes. um, that was shut down in 2012. And he worked there for almost 40 years. And wow. I was a volunteer from a very early age. So as a young child, I would go and uh, sing to the patients or I'd help pass out Christmas gifts Christmas wow. morning yeah. or help with uh, holiday things or just be out in the community. And I witnessed a lot during that time, and I knew that when I graduated college, I wanted to further my education in counseling. So I went into a graduate program specifically to help people with disabilities find work, and especially find meaningful work. And so my professional career started out in disability legal rights. I was actually an advocate. Disability I, legal rights. Okay. Yeah, so I did a lot of ADA compliance issues. I worked with a lot of local hospital systems to make sure they had interpreters for patients who were deaf or hard of hearing. Gotcha. I also monitored a few um, state programs, specifically vocational rehabilitation. Um, I then went to work for VR and now I'm a vendor for VR. So wow. voc rehab has sort of been what I have, I think, become an expert on and I've seen it from all different sides. So it, it made sense to, uh, I think, build that out a little bit more. I have very strong opinions about how disability employment is handled, especially in the South, and yeah. I think it's done terribly. So really, my, my own ego was involved in saying, this needs to be done well, and I need to assemble a team to really knock it out of the park. So, that's awesome. And that's been a recent thing of just knowing that I cannot, with all the other projects, especially the studio, I cannot do that by myself, nor do I have the expertise and knowledge to do all of it yeah. the way I want to. So I'm in the process of assembling uh, a team of probably five or six people who can help me do assessments, help me be in the school okay. system. Um, and just, you know, and that's what we do. We work with people, we find out their dreams and goals, and then we help them Achieve those, achieve those through work. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what? When did you start this? It was earlier this year, or earlier this year? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've been in I've been in the field almost a decade. Wow. Which yeah. is crazy to say because I'm not that old. Um, but I I like being able to say it's been almost a decade. I yeah. feel like people take you seriously at that point. Yeah. Um, Tenure, you get you know. All that, yeah. All that good they're stuff. like, wow, we should actually listen to what you're saying. <laughs> uh, but that's really it's really the yeah. thing that I. Uh, you know, disability rights and employment has, I think, been relegated to more social service yeah. realm. Gotcha. And what I'm really looking to do is make it hip and 
And when I say hip, I mean letting people know there are folks in the community with disabilities who want to work and what we do, what the state does, how great these programs are, adding social media, writing constantly, you know, really taking sort of social media marketing and applying it to the field of disability employment, I think will really change the game here in Knoxville. That's so, amazing. Not to give away too many of my secrets, no, yeah, the, I have a plan to sauce. sort of kick ass. I love it. I love make it. Make it better. So. Yeah, kick ass, take names. Yeah. The, um, I was chatting with a good friend. Uh, he works with homeless folks mm-hmm. and very similar, right? He wanted to take a more modern approach mm-hmm. and getting these people resumes, but yeah. not just a piece of paper, but like online, right? Yeah. LinkedIn, yeah. Facebook, because that's, yeah. that's how employers work these days. Right. Right. And, um, and you mentioned ego, and it's so much. So many pas- great projects yeah. are led by ego because if you <laughs> if you're not personally involved and personally committed right. and, and and inspired to do it, it right. you know you you have to be the force of change. Yeah, right? absolutely. So absolutely, I woke up one day and said, you know, I've I've been really I've had interesting experiences. I was the person monitoring Voc Rehab for compliance. Then I worked for Voc Rehab, and now I'm a vendor. And there has to be a reason why I've had all of these unique viewpoints, and that really sets me up to do this incredibly well. And I can either keep doing it as a side gig, in which case it will never grow, it will never be what I would like it to be. Or I can just get organized, get a team together, and really make make a difference in the community so awesome awesome yeah well i invited you out here to talk about modern studio, studio. yes yeah. so tell me all about it when, okay. you know, did you come you know so you came back to knoxville in 2014 yes did you have this idea in mind <laughs> no when you first, okay so this oh is oh my new. god no. all right let's hear so, it so okay <laughs> you'll find this out about victor on thursday he's kind of a creative genius in that okay. he has so many ideas he has a ton of ideas um, and we really complement each other because I think he's the, I'm creative as well, but I'm, I am more of like, let's put this into an You need an executor. Plan, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we met, we were dating, we were, uh, I had, I was looking at some office spaces in West Knoxville. Okay. I didn't really feel like they were congruent with Modern Seamstress. I really wanted to be in this part of town, North Knoxville, downtown. Awesome. Um, more in what I call Maker Central new hashtag I love hashtags um, <laughs> even if I use them ironically so uh, yeah we just sat down one day and he needed a space I needed a space and I said well why don't we just have a space together and we looked at the Colonial Cleaners building I think that day and okay. we hadn't even done a business plan this is terrible I'm telling you all the secrets this is <laughs> this is how real business gets this is done how people real business <laughs> gets done so everyone listen up um, we didn't have a business plan yes. we didn't have anything written on paper we didn't have a business model canvas we had none of that shit I can cuss right yeah you can cuss. okay good. I can put an explicit tag on it's this just it's part all good. of my yeah. part of my personality sorry um, so no plan we looked oh at the building gosh. we just went to look at spaces and while we were looking at colonial cleaners we were chatting with joe fox who i think is my age um he and tyler fogarty are just these young up-and-comer realtors just very cool really like them immediately so we're just taught we're just like free balling with joe about what we want to do with the building and joe loves it and then joe asks us more questions and he's like okay well get your financials together Let's see a plan. And wow. then we're like, crap, we need to put all of this on paper. 
So in the midst of all of this, Victor had been talking to a good friend of ours named Carolyn Corley, okay. who's a local actress, uh, fight coordinator. She's also a project manager for ORNL. Oh wow! She's kind of an overall badass. Love Carolyn. And they were talking. She was wanting to have to create Knoxville Performing Arts Exchange that oh, would bring together the over, I think over two dozen. She'll smack me later if I get this wrong. Over two dozen local performing arts groups in Knoxville that are professional, meaning that they pay their staff. Yeah. And she was looking at a space for them to have a stable home. And she was oh, looking at a few properties. Beautiful. She and Victor had met with a few people. Um, they were actually looking at a property downtown. It was just financially, it was just not going to work unless someone handed them a bucket of money, which rarely yeah. happens nowadays. Um, if any of you have a bucket of money, I'd love to take it. Um, so I said, you know, maybe this will work for Carolyn's thing, too. And we talked to Carolyn. We brought her in. She took a look at the building. And she was like, yeah, we can make this work. <clears throat> so then it became uh, maker, seamstress. Uh -huh. I was going to have a, a studio. That has evolved, of course, just to be more flexible. Victor was going to have a side that was more technology-based, and then we're going to do theater. Oh, my gosh. Well, then, so that all happened. We sent the proposal. The realtors loved it. We, we, we got it. And they're like, okay, we need either a co-signer or $10,000. Victor, I'm running a business. Like, I don't have $10,000 yeah. right now. <laughs> so we decided to crowdfund. Yes. And we, we did an Indiegogo campaign and put it out there. We raised close to $8,000. And then between the two of us, we put in the rest and made our deposit. Um, and then so the building then took shape. Well, in the midst of all of that, we started attending Knoxville Music Coalition meetings yes. and started listening to local musicians. And we learned that musicians really crave a performance space that isn't a bar first. And musicians have a lot of, um, and these are non-classical musicians, I'll get to classical music in a minute, but non-classical musicians were kept saying they wanted the same thing that the theater companies wanted. We want to know when to load in, what time the show's going to start, we want organization, we don't want to just play in a bar, um, we want a place where people can actually come, maybe they can eat, have a glass of wine, enjoy the music, yeah. and there's a little bit of dignity, I think, to experience a a performance so then we said okay well we're gonna have music too and then I said because I have kind of more of a classical training musically I said you know the building is great and live we also need to have some classical music so oh my goodness. if a cello student from UT has original compositions and wants to do a recital we need to have space for that well, for that student yeah. so then the the picture really evolved from just okay sewing studio victor's office theater to flexible venue um maker space but we also talked about with music having live feed having audio and visual recording mm -hmm. so if you're a young artist and you want to sell a record victor can record that for you during a live performance and then you get that and you can sell that so the vision keeps expanding. Yeah. It expands pretty much every week. And the good thing is that the, the building is open concept, and we can do whatever within reason um, that we really need to do in there. Yeah. The co-working piece, we had originally thought, well, we want to be using 
100% of the building, 80% of the time. And that was really the issue with finding a space for theater, is that most theater is at night. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Correct. matinee. Yeah. So how do you keep a building, how do you keep the lights on and pay the rent when you only have stuff right. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Correct. matinee? And we needed a solution to that. So we, so we said, okay, well, we know there are others in Knoxville who've been working out of their dining rooms. So I have a sewing studio at home, but when I do my counseling work, I meet at, at a McDonald's or a Panera. Coffee and when shop. I do paperwork, yeah. I'm in my dining room. And I hate it because I'm not as disciplined as I need to be. Correct, because there's so. always the TV and there's dishes. Exactly. Yeah, and just, for a lot of people, there are kids, there are spouses, yes. there's just there's so much going Lots on as well. Some people have cats. Yeah, <laughs> that jump on it. You know, Victor's yeah. got a cat that's always there. Um, <laughs> so we said, okay, we know that there are people who maybe don't need... They don't need an enclosed office. They just need a place where they can work. It's quiet. There's amazing Wi-Fi. Maybe they're around other creative people, and there's a synergistic energy in the room because you've got different people from different fields. And then we said, well, we need to open it up during the day for co-working. And we went on a trip to Austin uh, for a, a company that Victor's currently contracted with. And I visited a an amazing co-working space in Austin called Vessel Co-working. It's actually part of an inner city mission, which I think is great. They actually took church to the community, wow, which is okay. brilliant. But they they also house, I think, about ten nonprofits in the same building, and really are using kind of our model. It's the same model of one space, but let's have a bunch of different things yeah. inside it. And sat down, talked to their director, really figured out how they did things, and then came back and said, we need to do this for Knoxville. Um, There are, you can rent an office, but not everyone needs an office. They just need a quiet space where they don't feel compelled to buy coffee and a pastry. Correct. Um, And so we decided, okay, well, we need to do that in earnest. And then the more people we started talking to about that, the more we realized we were on to something. Yeah. the evolution, of, to tie this all back together, we finally got our construction permit. Construction has started. Uh, they have taken off the, f- the front facade of the building. Oh my goodness. They're gonna rip out the floor. I mean, it may as well be a new space, but it has started and hopefully we will be open sometime this fall. Awesome. Yeah, well, so, I'm that's, so that's the evolution yeah. of Modern Studio. Well, so I've got some questions. Yeah. So just to, to give uh, the audience a reference point, mm-hmm. uh, how long ago did you go to, I think, Joe and Tyler the first time without a business plan? May. When, May. So that was, <laughs> <laughs> so all this happened in a five-month time flying. Yeah. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. And really, I mean, I have to give credit to to, ah. I mean, I really do. You know, Joe has been really amazing. And they said to us from day one, we want this to be something that will work with the community. We don't want a check into cash or, and they'd had offers on it for franchise businesses. They sure. just really didn't, they were kind of waiting for the right thing. Yeah. And then we came in with our bombastic energy. And, I am and, so in love with that. Yeah, I think yeah. it was just a really good cool. fit. So, but yeah, May. Yeah. 
makes. That's it's nuts. A, so Indiegogo, you raise eight thousand dollars. Is that yep. is that campaign still live? Can people still donate right now? Well, they can donate to Modern Studio. Okay. That campaign is not live. Gotcha. Um, but we do have our LLC, and that you can still donate to the project, just not through Indiegogo. Not we may any. actually create another round for different projects, like the stage build out okay. or sound. There's still things that we need. Gotcha. Because all of that money went to just secure the building. Yes. So we're very much still needing investors. Gotcha. <laughs> still okay. very much needing very investors. Very much. We'll put uh, links and everything yeah, uh, awesome. in the article. So yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, wow. So May, yeah. got Indiegogo, $8,000. You and Victor put in the rest. Yep. And we got our deposit. Yeah. I, as far as I understand, construction started this week, right? It did. It like, started. started well, on Friday, Friday, I was chatting with my mom and Victor said, you need to check Facebook. And Joe Fox had posted a photo. Oh. And I got nauseous. So, yeah, Friday. <laughs> Friday. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. we plan on opening sometime this fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I guess tell me about the struggle. So, <laughs> I love the idea of co working spaces, yeah. right? And I, I, you know, in my line of work in, uh, you know, web design and software development, I know I meet a lot of creative people, right? Yeah. We partner with several graphic artists in town because that's mm-hmm. not what we do in-house. Right. We could, but, you know, our, our specialty isn't, you know, creating beautiful logos. Mm-hmm. We work with awesome people who do that. Yeah. And they tell me all the time that, you know, it's great, pl- you know, they get lonely. Yeah. Right? Working in a yeah. coffee shop or in their house or where, ha- where have you. Yeah. And uh, they're creative people. They need energy. Absolutely. They, you know, uh, that's just their, their nature. So co-working space makes a lot of sense for those folks yeah uh but why hasn't knoxville already why don't we already have that culture here right i know you were in austin and they've got cool things you know boulder colorado of course west coast co-working spaces happen everywhere Uh, even asheville and nashville right right why not knoxville i I have an opinion about that yeah um and it's sort of influenced i think through our process when we started telling people what we were wanting to do the vast majority of people got it, were behind it, thought it was awesome. Gotcha. Which has been phenomenal. Yeah. We're very grateful. We had a few people look at us like we had three heads. Um, and I, I've had a lot of crazy questions like, what do you mean you're going to do theater and co working? What do you mean you're going to have music without a bar? What do you mean you're going to, you know, just these. Because um, it doesn't fit in a box. It right? does not, exactly. Yeah. And I think. The reason why Knoxville hasn't done it is because Knoxville hasn't done it. Yeah. And I hope that makes sense, but I think that we don't have a good model for multi-use space mm-hmm. in Knoxville. That's kind of our first problem. Yeah. But if you think about it, they're multi-use. I mean, when you go to a buffet, you don't walk up and say, I want less options. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, that makes no sense. If you go to a mall... You don't walk around and say, I really hate that these wonderful stores are all in one place and I don't have to walk in the rain. So we're not, the idea of a multi-use flexible space is not foreign, but I think in terms of working, Knoxville is not as kind of with it as other larger cities. You know, in larger cities, you see more entrepreneurs, you see more self-employed individuals. And I think especially, I can say millennial, because I technically am one, as millennials kind of grow and realize we don't have to go work for somebody else. We can take a chance on what we want to do. You're going to find more and more people in the workforce. And this overlaps with my counseling stuff. Everything overlaps. It's nuts. Um, you find more and more that people don't, they're not looking for traditional work. Mm-hmm. They're looking for work that they can make their own 
that they can develop themselves, and that is going to change what the workplace looks like. And I think for the most part, Knoxville is used to, okay, these are what the workplaces look like. And to think of 40 people all doing different things in one room is is a little crazy, I think, right now for Knoxville. So I think there are a lot of, I, I think it's taken young people to say, we don't want the traditional workplace. We want something different. And there's been sort of a quiet growth of this for a while. And, you know, I, yeah. Did I that answer it. your question? No, it does. So, okay, no, yeah, good. so Knoxville hasn't done it because it hasn't done it. Yeah. Right? So, like, that makes total sense. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think I think people, you know, I, I fall in this category sometimes, um, is that, you know, we, we, we compare our city with other bigger cities. Right. Right? And, and, and so, but that's not really fair to Knoxville. Exactly. Because we, we aren't, you know, we don't have a million people here. Right. And, uh you know, so that's not fair one, but two, it's just, we need to just, let's just do it. Yeah. Right. So that's love, my motto. Just, yeah. Just, just, do it, just do it. Right. <laughs> let's borrow that from, yeah. from somebody. Uh, so how will the modern studio make money? Is okay. it? Yeah. Yeah. A lot uh, of different ways. Okay. And this was part of the model is that theater alone can't support it. A sewing studio can't support it. I actually looked at renting a commercial space last year okay. and had enough in savings to do it without debt. I'm a big no-debt gal. I need to get over that if I'm going to run businesses. Um, <laughs> womp womp. You want to use other people's money when you can. I would hope so, yeah. <laughs> Please. But, um, yeah, it was, it was the reality that one of these things alone cannot pay for this. So we need multiple things. So Modern Studio will, will bring in revenue about six different ways five or six different ways um the first is through daytime co-working gotcha number one thing um and that'll be monday through friday nine to six we looked at different 24 7 options but we're going to have events and theater so it wouldn't make sense it does just doesn't make sense for us to do 24 7 so co-working um also theater performances with local theater groups and k-pax so theater groups would actually rent the space on a weekly basis in order to give their production a full run and that was another issue with local places is that smaller theater companies just couldn't afford the bijou for the amount of time they needed in order to get reviews and have a proper run of a performance yeah because you typically want to do 10 to 12 to 13 performances right and you usually want a multi-week you also need a lot of the issues is that uh, another issue is that they were using found spaces they didn't have time for tech rehearsals so we're kind of we're solving a problem there so we're gonna have amazing live theater performances so that's number two number three is live music yep and that was and that will primarily be more of an acoustic listening room environment but also doing things like having potlucks where everybody brings a dish and a bottle of wine and then we have a band or we have a band at seven o'clock and we've got a great food truck lined up and BYOB and you come in and you know so really changing the way we we appreciate music in Knoxville that it's not just the background noise to the bar crowd Um, and I, I, I think most musicians in Knoxville are really wanting that yeah. and needing that right now. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing will be community workshops. In and really, the, these are going to be. You know, we've looked at an adulting series. You know, how do you make a meal? How do you change a tire? Yes. Stuff that just. Oh yeah. I mean, adulting is hard. It, no one has a manual. So <laughs> you know, kind of stuff that is just 
general interest we've also looked at some support group stuff and that's more I think my personal counseling stuff okay. coming out I'd love to see more um, public support groups yeah. grief divorce counseling parenting uh, we have somebody who's interested in doing some suicide uh, support groups gotcha. so just stuff that nurtures the community um, in addition to reaching out to kids in the local community because we are within the poorest zip code in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. So we, we're cognizant of, of that as well. And then also looking at event rental. So if you want to have a wedding or you want to have a corporate event, yeah. corporate events especially, you know, Victor's our technology whiz and, you know, having the capability where if you don't want to go rent half of a ballroom in a hotel, you come to Happy Holler, we set you up with all the technology you need, we sort of block off the space for you, we have a food truck come by, we, we've got awesome. you covered. So. Yeah, so give me an idea of the scale of the space, so how, how big is the space going to be? In so it's about, footage? I think it's about 2,800 square feet. Okay. And because we are currently zoned as a theater, our capacity is 300. Okay. Although I think 150 to 200 is much more comfortable, <laughs> more comfortable. probably. Yeah. So um, we're actually we're actually in a nice sweet spot for venues in Knoxville. We've got the Pilot Light, which is much smaller. Yes. Then we've got things like the Mill and Mine, which are much larger, and we're sort of that nice mid 150 200 range. Gotcha. So that's kind of ideally what we're looking at okay. for co-working. I think we could probably fit. 20 to 40 people in there comfortably maybe more which, yeah. and a lot of it we're just gonna have to see a lot of it I mean we can put every possibility down on paper but we really don't know until yeah. we open the doors and we see what happens and that's you know business plans uh, they're great they're great until you you know really start looking at what could happen and then they just they have to change they they do yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so where is it located? What's the street address? Happy Holler, 109 West Anderson. 109 West Anderson. Yeah, so right across the street from Central Flats and Taps, behind Friends Antiques, in one of Knoxville's, I think, coolest up-and-coming neighborhoods. So, And we're a very short walk from Three Rivers Co-op. It has an amazing yes. buffet during the day. Mm-hmm. We're close to Central Collective. They're, I mean, we're in a really, really awesome cool part of town. Part of town. Yeah. yeah. So you, you've already mentioned a couple challenges, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people just don't understand the whole idea, right? But what yeah. are some other struggles that you've, and, and cash is, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> always, no matter who you talk to, what yeah. business you talk to, cash <laughs> is always going to be a challenge. But what are some other things you're dealing with that, uh, you know, people may not expect? Well, um, I'll speak personally about this one, I think. Uh, I, being a female CEO has been a huge thing. Yeah. Um, we had there was something that happened with that was press related and I contacted and, and corrected corrected them and said, you know, this is really how this needs to be and in the future I really want to see everything that you put out with our name on it. Yeah. And, and that's not an unreasonable request. Right. I, yeah. Exactly. And I was I think I was there was some comment about me being a pistol or a firecracker or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we are still in a time where it's odd to see female business owners and especially multiple business owners. And I get this a lot when I do, uh, especially sewing jobs. I think people assume that because I am doing custom garments that I have a degree in home ec and I'm kind of like hired help and this is yeah. like a kind of lowbrow thing. And, and then I have to pull out, I have to pull out my master's card, master's card, just came up with that on the fly. Um, and, and then when they learn more about me, they're like, whoa, she's doing a lot of different cool things. Yeah. It's not just, you know, she's not just some 
seamstress at David's Bridal. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of, there are misconceptions, I think, of what a female CEO looks like and what she does and that, you know, there's a reason why I have that role over Victor. And even though he's older, has more uh, work experience than me, and it's the temperament, honestly. It's that I'm a little less emotional about things. I can detach much easier yeah. than he can. And there was a very specific reason that we, that we designated ourselves in those roles, that he can be more creative and I can be the more, hear what the numbers say, here's what I need from you, you know, this is what yeah. we need to keep the lights on. So I, the biggest struggle has just been, I think, getting people to recognize that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not Victor's arm candy in this business. I'm, I'm the one who's running the numbers and working with the accountant and uh, coming up with the contracts and, yes. and doing most of the social media marketing at this point and while running two other things that are going well and are profitable. So. Yeah. That's really been, I think, the biggest challenge for me. And project-wise, um, you know, really the, the the best lesson, this might, are you going to ask a question about best lesson I've learned? I can just segue. Okay. Yeah, yeah, do it. Um, That's actually the very but, next question. So okay, good. cool. Awesome. <laughs> Intuition. Yeah, okay. buddy. So I think this kind of It's really goes, just a well-designed interview, really? Yeah, <laughs> it is. I love it. You're like the best interview I've had ever. Um, so, yeah, I... I think on top of all of that, learning that I, we really don't need everyone to get on board. We see a lot of need and a lot of issues, yeah. and we have created a solution. And it may take people seeing it to believe it, but we're going to do it anyway. And I think I've been a little more vocal and balls out about that. I've been blogging a lot lately. I've actually put myself on a blogging schedule for my personal blog. I've been blogging good. about entrepreneurship and those posts are getting the most reach for some reason and I think I, I'm just outspoken and people find it amusing. Um, but just realizing that not everyone has to get it. Not everyone will get it and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it anyway and you shouldn't go full force. Yeah. And when you when you see that there's a problem and you have a solution for it, you don't really need anyone to come up and say, yeah, great idea. You should really, you know, you know that you need to do something about it. Exactly. Just do it and everything else will fall into place. I love that. So. Yeah. So self-validation is huge, right? Yeah. And, and the ability to tune out the crud because yeah. you're going to get naysayers. No matter oh, how absolutely. grand your idea is, absolutely. you're going to get naysayers. And we've already dealt with some of that. And again, there's, you know... I'm in, I'm in the CEO role for a reason. That's because I look at naysayers and say, okay, what are they saying? Who is it? Yep. Are they in the ring? Are, have they created a business? Correct. Are they running a venue? Yeah. What are they doing that gives them um, really the expertise and knowledge to be able to comment on what we're doing? Yeah. And if I don't see more than 10 people saying the same thing, I don't lose sleep over it yeah like that's just their opinion whatever um and i think victor probably tends to internalize it more and think about it more whereas i'm like you know when 10 people say this get back to me <laughs> and but yeah you just yeah. have to do it and i love it people will believe it when they see it and yeah it's gonna be amazing we're gonna rock knoxville's face off and you know it'll all yeah. come together i love it so you st you know this whole thing started in may so it's very early on but yeah. did you know did you 
have you just wanted to quit and decided I'm just not going to do this. I'm going to go do something else. No. Or, yeah. Not okay. at all. Awesome. Not at all. I mean, I have had moments. You know, I don't want to say that I'm completely unemotional. I have. I'm. I'm meeting. I have a meeting later today uh, with my accountant and a very good friend who I trust very much, who is also advising me on a lot of things. And there are a lot of things I don't know. I have a list of questions that's you know, out this building for him <laughs> because there's so much that I don't know. Yeah. And I think that I've never wanted to quit, but I'm definitely very aware of what I don't know and what I need to figure out mm-hmm. what ducks I need to have in a row before all this happens. So, yeah. but I've never had the moment of this is too much other than the nausea on Friday, actually seeing the building. Like this is, like, this this is, is real. This, is this isn't because we've, we've been sort of fighting and championing yeah. for so long and now it's actually happening. So that's amazing. Yeah. But cool. never wanted to just give up. Yeah. Man. So you've got three big things going on in yeah. your life. Modern studio, you know, your work with disabled folks and yeah. then uh, modern seamstress. So what's up next for you? Or do you have any other passion projects? You mentioned uh, blogging. What's up next? Um, <laughs> What's up next? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple things I think in the pipeline. One of them is that I've I've been thinking I'm not very creative, and that's crazy. Um, I've been mostly an academic intellectual most of my life. This is the first time that I've kind of tossed away the standard plan yeah. and pursued a passion and a creative passion at that. And I've I think I've had influence of people saying, well, you're the, you're the reasonable, analytical, logical one. You're not the creative <laughs> yeah. one. And I'm, I'm ready to shed that. So I'm actually going to work on designing this fall. And Very part good. of that is also to um, have more time for sewing to be my own. There's, there's always a danger in turning a very beloved hobby into a money maker and that is that at some point it stops being a joy to do it and you hate it at times and I've, I've almost reached that point several times and so that's kind of a way to, to correct course um, so that's something I'm doing with Modern Seamstress and then with my counseling stuff you know working in the school system actually working with kids who have disabilities and teach doing career counseling um, helping them with post-secondary working on self-advocacy and workplace readiness I need a team to do that and I want to do it so well that the disability community has no clue what hit oh my gosh and that requires me to get a business license set up a business account get accounting software have a plan decide how I want my employee I mean it's it's requiring a lot of legitimization and so I'm currently working on that Um, that's kind of the biggest thing I think I've been focused on because I want to have a great team I want to do it really well and then just getting the studio open keeping those lights on so yeah I mean (laughs) they're all kind of interrelated personally I don't know that I have any I don't know get more sleep and sleep yeah do you get eight hours of sleep I do most of the time most of the time I do yeah Yeah. but I think so more for myself too I'm a big proponent of self-care and Yeah, someone told me last week, or two weeks ago, uh, sharing his story, uh, 
there's two things that he'll never get back and that's his body and his time yeah so uh i love that yeah you know, so. absolutely and that's that's really stuck with me the yeah. last few weeks it's like because i i am the type of person who does not get eight hours of sleep right. like even last night i went to bed at 3 30 right. you know working on some projects right and uh you know and got up at seven so it's like yeah you know that, that's just the kind of mode that i'm in you know my, my you know uh, yeah just where i am in life and uh it's good to, to stay in perspective I think that's you know, the counselor in me too, yeah. is that I, you know, I work with so many people and I've, I've kind of gotten into more public speaking, which is odd. I did a, I did Pachaka a few months ago and okay. um, have had a few, got my first paid speaking gig for next year, wow, which is just congrats. nuts. Like, how do you, I don't know, this yeah. seems so odd um, <laughs> when you become a voice for things, but I'm a huge proponent of boundaries and self-care yep. and that you cannot be as efficient and as productive and share with the world what it needs from you yeah. if you're not taking good care of yourself. So I I am trying to be more boundaried, I think, with that going into 2017. I love we'll it. see how that goes. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know, yeah. So uh, thanks for sharing your business journey. Yeah. Now we're going to go into the wrap-up. So okay. uh, I ask a question, you answer it. You don't have to put too much thought. Oh, uh, no, word association. Yes. Okay. So personal hobbies, what are they? Sewing, Yep, obviously. sewing, obviously. Um... Singing, I love to sing. Oh, there we go. Sing with Knoxville Opera Chorus in the spring. Oh, I should probably go. sing more. That's kind of falling to the wayside. Okay. Uh, I love to cook. Cooking is great. I love to cook. And then I'm also a big fan of Netflix and chill. I don't own a television. I don't have cable. But I do have Netflix. And I watch it on the iPad. And occasionally I need a brain break. And I love to travel. Um, and I want to. that's part of the reason why I want to be self-employed is so I have the freedom yes. to not be at a desk all day yep. and I want to that see is, the rest of the world more so that is nice how do you manage work-life balance you mentioned boundaries yeah. so work-life balance um I try to be extremely organized that helps. I try to have uh end times I actually got some really good advice from Austin Church is that his name Austin Church yes yeah. great Knoxvillian yeah I need to man he really should be my business coach I need to reach out to him remind me yes. um he gave me really good advice and he said, you know, when you're working on one, cause I have three different things. And he said, when you're working on one, you're unavailable to the other two. And that's something I have not mastered at all because usually I, I really jump around or someone emails me and I blah, blah, blah. Um, and I need to do a better job, but yeah, better organizational skills. And I think bringing more people on will help a lot with work-life yes. balance because I need, I need to delegate a lot. Yeah. So. So how would someone contact you? So either for Modern uh, Studio or for The Seamstress or for your team that you're building for... Yeah, so Facebook right now is kind of the easiest way. Okay. Modern Seamstress and Modern Studio are both on Facebook, okay. but they have websites as well. So you can reach me at burkbrewer.org as well or modernstudio.org. Email is burke.brewer at gmail. That's really the easiest way cool. um, to do all of those those things. Awesome. What is your favorite business tool that you use today? Whether that's some sort of software or some, I guess, a sewing machine would count, uh, right? Business tool. <clears throat> favorite business tool. Ah. You know, I've been a huge anti-technology gal. I still have a, a paper planner from that I've had for years. It works. Yeah I, yeah. I think a paper planner and the iPhone and my iPad, probably my favorite tools just because I can do everything on them. Um... I just hooked up with Trello since I'm gonna have a team oh, that's kind of working remotely. I'm like, I need, I need something so yes. we can communicate. Um, 
but yeah, really, I've just I've been kind of scrappy. I'm not sure that I have a, a favorite tool other than pen and paper. Awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite author or influencer that you follow? I'm a huge fan of Stephen Covey and have been following his Seven Habits probably for a decade. Wow. Um, have used his planner. I just, I really like, I've, I kind of feel like everything else that's been written mm-hmm. really kind of stems from him. Um, I just like his perspective and his, I think a lot of his steps very much resonate with me, especially about values and ethics. Yeah. And I think the value portion is something that I've, feel most strongly about is that everything done in business can be done ethically with a set of values and that you don't have to be a jackass to have a successful business (laughs) you can do things ethically and treat people well so i credit him for that that's awesome what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given (laughs) best piece of advice i mean my mom used to tell me all the time that i could do whatever i wanted i could be whatever i wanted do whatever I wanted. I was I was the only girl on my dad's side of the family in my generation. Yeah. And my grandfather, who had an eighth grade education, told me constantly I needed to get as much education as possible. I could do anything I wanted. I have had a lot of people, I think from an early age, tell me that I could do whatever and be successful. And that's probably the best piece of advice because I, I took it and I believe them. Love and it. Keep yeah. pushing forward. And last question. So what advice would you give yourself, I guess, two years ago when you moved back to Knoxville from Georgia? Two years 2014. Ago. Before Modern Seamstress, before the, I guess you had been in the industry for about 10 years, you know, eight years at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Modern Studio. So mm. before all of this. I think I would have told myself you could only connect the dots looking back. And to remember that, because I think so many times we are, I was very much an, an achievement-driven yeah. person. I went to college, then I went to graduate school, then I bought a house, then I got married, then I, you know, and it was like this checklist of accomplishment. And then I got divorced, then I had to start all over. And that completely ruined the plan. Well, and yeah. I think I think knowing that life has, there's a, there's a rhyme and reason to life. You just have to trust it sometimes. And you're always okay, no matter what stage you're in. You're always okay. And to trust your own abilities and intuition to pull you through all of that. And then just, you know, balls out, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Burke, thanks for sharing your story. You heard it here Thank first. You for having yeah. Me. So uh, I guess to, to summarize, you can be anything you want. Yes. Right? And just and do it. And just do it. Just and do and it. you and you're not gonna be able to connect the dots unless you're looking back. Yeah. Or until you look back. Right. Uh, so just just go out and do it. Yeah. yeah. I think so many people are afraid of failure. And failure is the greatest learning tool. It is. And we don't know everything. And that's that's really I think what you have to remember is that it's okay not to know everything because yeah. there's someone out there who's who can help you. That's right. And who you can bring on board and you know, it's yeah. So failure it's just a silly excuse. Just go do it. I You'll figure it. it out. Cool. So. Well, Burke, thanks for coming out for Scruffy City Stories today. Thank you so much.